Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast, and welcome to college basketball finally finding its way out to the University of Hawaii. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and it's pretty exciting to say that Friday night, UH finally makes its 2020-21 official debut against neighbor Hawaii Pacific University. Two days later on the women's side, the Rainbow Wahine and Sharks are set to meet up on Sunday. It will be interesting to see how the long layoff from action and this unusual year in general have affected both squads. The Rainbow Warriors announced this week that top returning scorer, Samuta Avea, has opted out of competition for the season. The athletic wing from Haula could theoretically return next year, but will he? It's unclear. In addition, promising big man Bernardo da Silva is working his way back from a foot injury. So, the completely overhauled Bows will essentially have a brand new starting five, anchored by three Division I transfers in Noel Coleman at the point, and forwards Kasdan Jardine and James Jean-Marie in the post. I've heard good things about these three guys in particular, but no one outside of the team has seen them under the lights yet, so it'll be interesting to see how they come together. Interestingly, Jardine, a newcomer from Utah Valley, and sophomore guard Justin Webster, a vocal player still relatively young, were recently named co-captains. But from here, we're setting aside hoops this week until next week's edition of the pod, when we can break down what happened over the weekend. This week, I had a great time catching up with former Hawaii News Now sports reporter Taryn Hatcher, who shot off the career launching pad out here to become a known commodity in one of the biggest sports markets in the country, Philadelphia. Hatcher was a stranger in a strange land when she arrived at HNN straight out of Rutgers University, and after some culture shock and a tough learning curve that shilled the tail, she gradually settled in over three years. It was well worth the work she put out here, as it allowed her to land a dream job in her backyard as NBC Sports Philadelphia's hockey correspondent. That's right, we're about to talk some hockey. What do I know about hockey? Um, shrug emoji? But I'm half Canadian, so I think that counts for something, right? Anyway, get ready, because here we go. Check out Mike and Kara at Nokoi Automotive in Kalihi for all your vehicle repairs and maintenance needs. Quick turnaround, affordable, honest, and ASE certified. Call or text 842-6453 to schedule an appointment today. That's 842-MIKE or email nokoiauto at gmail.com. The best part? Mention the Court Sense podcast for a 10% discount. It is a rare privilege this week to be joined by a hockey correspondent. I'm welcomed by Taryn Hatcher, former reporter at Hawaii News Now, who went from HNL to covering the NHL with uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia for the last um, two, two or three years now. So Taryn Hatcher, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you. It's crazy. I didn't even realize it had been that long, but yep. HNL to NHL. I hadn't heard that before. I might have to steal that, Brian. It's good to good to hear you. Good to see you. Hey, no problem, Taryn. Um, you, you can steal away. That that is fine. It just <laughs> popped into my head, like as I was assembling, uh, you know, some basic facts about what you've done so far. And um, it, yeah, it it has been two or three years, right? I think. What was it? You you left Hawaii in uh, what early 2018 or something along those lines? Like July of 2018. Um, yeah, I, I got offered the job in June of 2018, and by midway through July, um, I was 
I was back here and it's already almost 2021. So it's crazy. It does not feel like it's been in ways. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. And in other ways, it feels like it's been a million years, especially because I was supposed to be coming back to see all my friends and stuff this summer. That was the plan. And then um, obviously just everything (laughs) went right down the gutter. So, you know, there's always next year. (laughs) Yeah, there is, Uh, you know, hopefully we get this vaccine knocked out and and things start bending towards normal again um yeah for you so what's happening right now for you in in general with this with this job as a, as a hockey correspondent for as i said nbc sports philly um that's what you've been doing since you left if i'm not mistaken and uh hockey being your, your kind of your main focus your main gig in in a big big time sports market like philadelphia where you you grew up right there or in that greater area so um what what is life like for you right now um, it's been a lot of adjusting for everyone. I'm I'm fortunate, and Brian, I'm sure you saw that, especially having worked with Ian Shearing, who you know very well. Um, we were always really kind of in Hawaii taught, you know, pump digital, pump social media, like that's where people get their news now. And so even without, you know, a ton of games or even a ton of TV time for sports recently, because there, quite frankly, has not been as many sports going on as there normally are. Um, I, I've been able to adjust. It's a lot of digital coverage, you know, in the off seasons. I'm one of the few reporters who is assigned to a team when they're in season and then off season covers all, you know, four major sports, um, here in Philly, which is nice because I mean, like you said, Philly, Philly, and I would say Chicago and Boston are really unique sports towns and that sports kind of are the, is the identity for a lot of people in the city. Um, we're not as big as New York or LA, but sports are really at the forefront here. So it's, it's been really fun to get back home because these are the teams I grew up with. And especially, um, the Flyers was my brother. That was his sport was hockey. So we grew up watching a ton of Flyers hockey, going to a ton of hockey games. I grew up going to actually the, the rink that the Flyers practice in. Cause that's where my brother played. Um, nice. but yeah, it's been, um, it's been an adjustment because you're, you're trying to, you know, now we're doing this day in flyers history and you're trying to get interviews and you're trying to kind of revamp all of these moments in sports history to keep people, you know, really locked in, but it's, it's challenged a lot of people to get creative. And I'm lucky. I, I have worked with a lot of creative people who prepared me for that. And I currently work with a lot of creative people who have been good at adjusting to that. Got it. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's no hockey out here in the islands other than that ice palace, um, which, uh, did mm-hmm. you get a chance to go there by the way? While, while I did. It? I did. And my former, uh, boss, Scott Humber, who I adore, um, was grew up in Boston was a huge hockey fan. So there were a few like roller rink hockey tournaments, um, roller hockey tournaments, I should say. Uh, that he actually would send me out to and be like, can you please go cover this? It's my buddy's league and blah, blah, blah. And so I would go. So I actually did cover a little bit of hockey while in Hawaii, but it was, wow. it was roller hockey and uh, yeah, it was, it was wild, but yeah, it was, it was so strange because there, the only way I probably saw the flyers less than a dozen times a year because you could only catch them on the national broadcast. You had to watch everything right. online otherwise, but um yeah, no, it was quite an adjustment. I always joke. I went from moving to Hawaii and having to learn how to say Hawaiian phrases and Samoan names and Tongan names and Filipino names. 
And then I moved back here and all of it was rendered completely useless for me. <laughs> it's now I'm trying to like lock up on German and, you know, Eastern European pronunciations and, um, you know, just really, really tested me, but it's been a, it's been a super fun ride. All right. Well, I'm, I'm definitely circling back around to that. And uh, on the topic of pronunciations out here, I, I, I want to ask you what the, the toughest one you ever had to learn here was, but we're, we're going to get back to that. So, okay. uh, Taryn, first, I'm curious, like, so, I mean, yeah, you touched on some of the things you're kind of doing to be creative right now amid still ongoing pandemic times. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the NHL, the last thing I heard, new season starts in, in January or around right after the new year, maybe. Um, when it hit this past springtime and, you know, everything shuts down and then NHL eventually does bubble in Canada successfully, wh what are you doing at that point? Are you just covering things remotely? Was there ever a chance you could go up there to, to be a media member in the bubble? I no, there was no, our, our Sixers reporter was not sent to Orlando. I was not sent to Canada. I, from my understanding too, it was pretty difficult for American reporters, they did lax mm. up towards the end and allow it, but there was even a question at some point, or it had been communicated to me that there might be a question at some point if they would allow that. But it's hard to know, right? Because once, and you know, I'm sure you know this from experience too, is once you're close to people who have an inside track, they hear things unofficially and then you hear things officially. And then it's specifically in this situation, things change like day to day. Um, and so I had heard so many things that you know, were announced and then were changed after they were announced and then weren't announced, but were, was the preferred thing they wanted to do, but they couldn't do it. So no, I had to cover everything remotely, which was not the most fun because generally when you're a sideline reporter, the best part of your job where you get the most is just kind of going in and hanging out with the guys and seeing them interact, um, you know, after practice. And when you're doing it over a zoom call with like eight other people, they, they also don't have great connections with all the reporters it's it's very kind of disconnected but the guys were great and i i can't say enough about hockey players in general are just such easy people to work with and to deal with it's almost like mm. when i would cover surfing out in hawaii like the surfers are just such normal people and they were so nice to deal with um so you know everybody tried to do their best but yeah we were basically in wells fargo center in philadelphia where the flyers play no fans, no people, just us, um, the broadcast teams in an empty rink. And we had to watch on TVs what was going on and then report as if the game was happening in front of us. It was wow. very, it was very bizarre. It was like walking through a ghost town and kind of setting up your office there. But, um, you know, I work with a great team, our play-by-play -play guy, our color analysts um, are some of the best in the entire league. So everybody adjusted really well. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I would prefer to be there in person. I think most people who have watched a hockey game in person agree. It is the best sport to watch in person. So kind of stinks when you can't be there yourself. Yeah, I hear that all the time that you got to be there in person for a hockey game at least once. And definitely, it's still on my bucket list. Um, definitely want to do it someday. So Taryn, like what, what do you think the reality will be for this coming year? Are you going to get to go to games normal, like with no fans? Like what's the word right now? I don't think there will be fans, at least not until there's some grip on a vaccine and what that looks like. And But then you have the whole issue of how do you prove people got it? Do you let people in if they didn't get it? Um, 
there, there's just so many questions that I, I find it really unlikely that we're going to have fans at least for a while. Um, I'm hoping that they'll be able to play in, in home cities. Um, but even that now is looking a little bit like it might not happen. So really, yeah, you, you know, nothing's really official yet, but we've heard things about trying to bubble regionally within divisions and, but again, this is one of those things where it's a confusing time. You hear things and you don't know if it's a hypothetical or if it's an idea that people want, or if it's just an idea in general. Um, but yeah, there's, I'm still hoping for home arenas. I think they can do it, but there's definite talk that, you know, when, when I know they kind of showed an announcement of proposed division shifts in order to minimize COVID crossover and try to keep teams safe, Mm -hmm. but they're expecting to try to keep Canadian teams in Canada as much as possible and make a Canadian division, which says to me that, yeah. So there's, and, and you, you understand why, but, I know I talked to the deputy commissioner of the NHL um, about a month and a half ago. And he said, even then you're, you're going to hear a ton of things and they may be totally credible and they may completely change before they're officially announced. So again, I think no one really knows yet, but I think it's highly unlikely that we see fans, which stinks, but I think that's reality of the situation, at least not until, vaccines are widely distributed and numbers are way down. I mean, who knows, but they're trying to do a shortened season this year in order to get back on a regular schedule next year. Um, And with that comes, you know, a timeline of ending the season mid summer Mm -hmm. uh, or early summer. And realistically, are people going to be healthy enough? Is the world going to be healthy enough by then? Will they have protocols for vaccinated people versus non-vaccinated people coming in? Like, you don't know, especially when you hear that airlines are going to make people prove that they got the vaccine in order to fly. You know, it's just crazy times. It's it's yeah, it's hard to sift out what's real and what's not. But I'm trying, Brian. It's just it's it's a whirlwind of information and none of it's straightforward at the moment. Well, credit to you for for at least trying to suss it out right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not envy that at this moment in time. Um, well, your the Flyers. I mean, they they had a pretty good season last year. What forty one, twenty one, and seven um, exited in the second round of the playoffs. Was that obviously they were hoping to go further? But was that uh, a surprise at the time when they went out at that point? I was not surprised. Oh, well, I was not surprised they got that far. I know the Flyers had a terrible year the year before. Um, what is that noise? Um, <laughs> The Flyers, excuse me, I'm in my car, guys. Um, the Flyers had had a terrible year the year before. They went through a, an NHL record number of goalies because they had so many goalie injuries and everything else and in between. Um, didn't make the playoffs, got themselves in a terrible hole early in the season. And I think a lot of people went into this season and didn't have a ton of faith. Um, and then they kind of shocked everyone. Um, they were towards the top of the Metropolitan Division, made it to the second round of the NHL playoffs for the first time since 2010, so since I was in high school. Um, but I wasn't shocked. I mean, it's they're a really good team, and they're a team that's going to be really good for a while. Love to see them make it a little bit further. They They didn't play their best hockey against the Islanders in that second round, and they still found a way to push that team to seven games. Um, but I think had had the pause not happened and – a lot of people like to, you know, talk in hypotheticals about 
you know, if the world was normal right now, I get it. But if the pause hadn't happened, I do think they would have made a, made a much deeper run to either the Eastern conference final or the Stanley cup final, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, there's always next year. And, you know, I think the flyers will be set for quite a few years. All right. So, all right, Taryn, when you left Hawaii, uh, you know, I'm sure it was, must've been a a dream situation for you going back to basically your, your hometown uh, Mm -hmm. to do what you're doing right now. Um, Did you know that you wanted to be part of like a, like a sports broadcast crew like like what you're doing now as opposed to say because you were like a traditional sports anchor uh when you were out here in, in Hawaii and uh, I know those both are in the broadcast realm and kind of two distinctly different things however uh did you know you wanted to go that route when you left oh yeah ever since I was a little kid it, that was really the goal um I think you get to know a team better when you travel with them and you're around them and you go to their practices and, and they know you like your face, your name, who you are, you know, that was always what I wanted because I think you get more, um, kind of more truthful journalism out of it. You also get more revealing journalism out of it. I think you can get people's personalities a little bit more and you can cover them in a more nuanced way. That's just kind of the, the best brand of journalism you can hope for is to really know the people you're covering. And you don't always get that um, when you're running from this sport to that sport, to this sport, to that sport, and then go into the studio. And so I, I love what I do. And I also, I like to be at games. Um, That was always my thing is I don't want to be in a studio. I want to be at the games. Uh, And hockey was kind of, it, it wasn't the dream job because it didn't exist in Philly. They had always had two um, analysts, one up in the booth and one between the benches. And they were both almost always former players. So they were always men. Um, so I got to be the first like true rinkside reporter, which has been amazing. But that I, honestly, I think hockey was always the ideal sport for me because it's just, for me, it's always been my favorite sport to watch, especially in person. I love watching football. It's, it's harder to watch football in person than on television. Hockey is so much more, um, it's A, so much more fun to watch in person, and B, uh, I think you really get the feeling of the game and, and the flow of the game and the players and how they're feeling and where they're at when you're right next to the ice and you can see their face and you can see them, you know, chirping other guys on the ice. It gives you just a different kind of insight into the game. So, yeah, it, that was always the dream was to be on a game broadcast um, in some way or another. But if we're being honest, if you're covering sports for a living, like you, you really can't, you really can't go wrong. It's all pretty, it's all pretty awesome. Um, well, you get to travel everywhere with the team. Like you get to go, uh, yeah. go to like Prague and, and Switzerland for the preseason and you go to basically all the road games, right? Oh, and Brian, I will not ever, ever hold back on this. I am not a gal who makes enough money to like afford to stay at the Ritz Carlton in Montreal on my own, but the team stays there. So that's where we get put up. And that part of the job does not suck either. <laughs> you get to fly on the team charter and you, you get to go all these cool cities and see all these cool things and yeah last year I went to Switzerland and then to Prague with the team and it was it was a wild wild ride it was so much fun um we went to Switzerland for what four or five days and then Prague for four or five days 
And then we came home for three days and then we went to Western Canada for 11 days for a road trip as well. And it was just one of those things where until you physically do it, you don't quite understand how much that traveling and being on the road takes a toll on a player. And I think it makes you a little bit more sympathetic to their cause, Mm. but um, it's also just the most fun experience because I don't know if I would ever get to, you know, Montreal or Vancouver, or, you know, we would go to Calgary and I would go up to Banff, which is this beautiful mountain up by Calgary. That's just like straight out of a fairy tale. It's amazing. So I, I consider myself incredibly, incredibly lucky. Yes. Well, my Canadian half, uh, my mom's side is all from Canada. Uh, they, they would uh, appreciate the fact that that <laughs> I'm having a hockey correspondent on right now. So oh, that's awesome. shouts to them. <laughs> Um, Where are they from? They are from the Toronto area, like uh, oh, okay. near Guelph in Ontario. So oh, okay. They 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 know their hockey. That is for damn oh, sure. Oh, I have I have no doubt, no doubt at all. Those Ontario boys don't uh, don't mess around either. I think because they're so close to Toronto, they're like hockey heads. They know all the hockey history. They're all into it. Like it's wild. It is wild. It's like NFL football up there. It's it's wild. You mentioned, I mean, it's your favorite sport to watch growing up. Um, I know growing up, your sports were soccer primarily, and I think basketball also to an extent, right? Um, yeah, were, my dad but, played college basketball, so. But ice skating wise, I mean, how are you as an ice skater? Is it a requirement to be an adequate skater to at least, you know, uh, have some chops covering hockey? Uh, I can skate. I'm a decent skater. Grew up. Um, first rollerblading with my brother. Cause like I said, my brother liked hockey. And then um, when he would practice from time to time, my parents would like rent me some skates and I would go do the free skate on the other rink. Cause there's two rinks at the skate zone where he would grow up practicing um, and playing. So I can skate pretty, pretty well. Um, can't play hockey a lick, just not good at it. Mom wouldn't let me. She I had two friends who played, they both broke their wrists within like a week of playing. And my mom was like, no (laughs) shot. Plus it's expensive. And I'm sure like they're, they were just thinking one kid playing hockey is enough damage to our wallets. Unless two. Um, it is not a requirement. I, I know plenty of, uh, of gals in the business who are phenomenal, phenomenal reporters who do not skate. I know. I mean, even Keith Jones who played for the flyers, you know, had a great hockey career and is now a phenomenal broadcaster is also a national um, broadcast for NHL and NBC. Keith Jones has candidly said to me many times the day that he retired, the day, the last game he played, he has not put on his skate sense and he feels no need to ever skate again. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I would say it's not a requirement. I think it, it certainly, I love to listen to the women who have played obviously Kendall Coyne um, has become quite a name in terms of women who are phenomenal at hockey have gotten into hockey broadcasting. Um, and it's so, I, I love listening to her analysis, but uh, no, don't, don't make me play. But if you ask me to skate, I am, I am a okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Taryn, I mean, something people even out here, you know, in like a hockey free zone for the most part, uh, most sports fans will have seen clips of the the Flyers mascot Gritty, who was unveiled a couple of years ago. Almost, I want to say, kind of concurrently when you arrived back there for this job. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Same exact I, time. Wow. So I see I've I have seen you post, you know, social media clips of 
like goofing off with Gritty. He, and if oh. anyone does not, you know, know the name, he's kind of the the, the orange, googly-eyed, seven-foot-tall, almost like the the Philadelphia, uh, the Philly fanatic mascot, kind of like a cousin or something. Um, yeah. What is your most memorable or favorite interaction you you've had with that uh, goofball? So I will say this, and this is not a joke. I have I can't say more than this. I have known Gritty since college. Me and Gritty go way back. I have known Gritty since college. And you may be asking yourself how, but I can't <laughs> explain any more than that, or I will get in trouble with the actual team. But I have known Gritty for years. Um, favorite favorite Gritty interaction. He so at the stadium series. He like repelled into the stadium. And I remember thinking like, how, how, like, how are they going to pull this off? And I know that they had to do training and I think there's all kinds of insurance policies time before he did it. Um, but really, I think my favorite, my favorite ex- gritty experience was the night that he was unveiled. It was in a preseason game. Mm. He was booed so horrendously by the crowd he was just booed and then everybody else like all these you know outsiders started hating on him and in true like the the true essence of philadelphia is we can hate ourselves but you have no right to hate us and so (laughs) once outside people started to attack gritty um that's when philly really embraced him and uh like it at the drop of a dime um or at the drop of a hat I don't know, whatever. Uh, at the drop of something, literally everybody in Philly just completely made a full 180 on this guy. And he was on Good Morning America all of a sudden. And he's on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and with hanging out with Katie Nolan and um, kind of became a sensation. And I just thought, whether you like Brittany or not, that, that reaction is so purely Philadelphia in my favorite way that you could not have picked a better scenario for a mascot because it's just that is this city in a nutshell we can say whatever we want about Carson Wentz we can say whatever we want about Gritty about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Bryce Harper and everyone in between but if you say anything we will scream at you in the bar over the loud music and the people once we're allowed back in bars again so that was kind of my favorite experience in terms of, in terms of pretty. I will say this as someone who has like not even a baseline of hockey knowledge. He is the only mascot I could name like specifically who the mascot is, what his name is for any NHL franchise. So take that information as for what it's worth. And, and not for nothing, the social media team behind his whole shtick are some of the smartest people I know. I mean, they really nailed it with the way that PR is out of this world for that exact reason. I mean, he's probably, I would argue, maybe the most famous mascot across all four major sports, like currently at least. So, um, yeah, I mean, the PR is insane on him. So (laughs) kudos kudos to that team of people because I don't know how they pulled that off. Well, I mean, we talked up, talked up a lot of your, your Philly roots, Taryn, um, but you went away for college to Rutgers in New Jersey, and yep. that's your launching pad to get out here to Hawaii, your, your first real first reporting or, or a broadcast job out of college, at least on a full-time basis, was, 
out here in Hawaii. I think you were what, 22 when you came out here, something like that. Yeah. It was like a few weeks after my 22nd birthday. Yeah. It was supposed to be, I was still technically supposed to be in college. I like forced myself to graduate early. So my last semester of college was my, I was out here instead. We're out in Hawaii instead working. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, most of the time that you were out here, I actually thought you were from like the Jersey area because you would be doing, doing these Jersey accents, like when we'd be out like covering games and yeah. events and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, she, she's from Jersey. So yeah. well, I, I mean, technically, technically I am. I'm from South Jersey, but we, South Jersey, Brian, this is so unrelatable to everybody who's listening, but South Jersey and North Jersey are two separate states altogether. And South Jersey just says we're from Philly or from close to Philly. And North Jersey says they're from New York. <laughs> okay. And everybody I went to college with said they were from New York. And so I, I guess I, I would pick up on their accents. And that was kind of my, um, my exaggeration of where I grew up. Gotcha. Because, um, yeah, because it was just, it, it is. It's wild to me because I didn't grow. I only grew up an hour and a half away from Rutgers, but I got up there and I was like, you guys are a different animal. <laughs> you guys are a whole different species from the people I grew up with. All right, Taryn, can you do me a favor before we hit on a couple of Hawaii things? Like okay. the, the current, I know you keep up on your Rutgers sports in, in your best, you know, Jersey Rutgers area accent. Can, can you just like let people know what's happening with Rutgers right now? All right, so Greg Schiano is back in Piscataway as the head coach of the Scarlet Knights football team, hashtag chop, and he's doing a great job. They didn't – listen, they're not – it would have been great if they could have beat Ben State, but they've had a pretty decent season, and I'm excited for the future. And as far as um, the basketball team goes, um, you know, last night they beat Syracuse, and they're ranked, and Syracuse wasn't. And that's how you know 2020 is twisted is when – Rutgers is ranked at Syracuse isn't, and Rutgers is handing it to the Orange. It's wild. But you know what? Rutgers is on the up and up, and I'm, and I'm here for it, you know? So what more can you ask for, Brian, besides a vaccine and maybe a little bit of uh, indoor dining permitted in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? That, that was all I could ask for. Thank you, Ted. <laughs> um, so Somebody's from- going to be listening and is like, I don't sound like that. <laughs> so you went from that to to hawaii where i know you'd never lived before and correct me if i'm wrong i didn't even know if you you had visited before um no as a child or anything and what what kind of culture shock was that for you um it was it was pretty massive i won't lie um yeah i had never been there i came for my audition but that was it that was like a three-day show up audition get the job or don't get the job kind of thing um luckily Rick Blangiardi, who was the, then the general manager of what you News now, like, I mean, he, he invited my mom out with me because I hadn't even turned 22 at the time. I didn't even finish my college exams yet when they flew me out to, um, to audition. And he was like, if you want to bring a family member with you, I t- totally understand, like put them on the ticket, whatever. And he showed me around the island the first time. And I think he really wanted to make sure that I felt okay about dealing with completely immersing myself in something that was totally unfamiliar to me. Um, you know, like I, I knew of the, the June Jones, UH football days I had done, I had watched actually UH women's volleyball a few times because I, we didn't have volleyball in our area, but I always like 
thought it was such a cool sport and I thought if they had, that was a sport that I would have loved to play. So I had watched them in the NCAA tournament and I had, I knew a little bit about Dave Shoji and um, the Rainbow Wahine volleyball program. But outside mm -hmm. of that, I had no knowledge of Hawaii at all. I had never been there and I only knew like one girl who had ever been there. So yeah, so it was, it was wild, but honestly, if you're gonna, if you're gonna move that far and be that kind of isolated from everyone, you know, Hawaii is kind of the place to do it. Like I, I always had a place to go on holidays. I almost immediately had, you know, a little Hanai family. I made one of my best friends out there and her family really took me in and, you know, it's just, it's such an easy place to kind of make a community for yourself because people are so kind of kind and welcoming. And, you know, I just remember Rick and Scott Humber, um, my boss, who I mentioned before, both telling me if you put in the work and you really care about trying to be, you know, showing that you care about and right here, we had some pretty severe connectivity issues, but Taryn was basically saying uh, you respect people's culture and make an effort to learn it, and they will respect you back in your job. And resuming interview. You know, respect you back and be kind to you. And that was 100% um, the case. It was, it was awesome. I always, there is nothing I would change about those Hawaii years other than I think maybe, like, I wish I wasn't so homesick when I first moved out there and just kind of jumped in feet first but um you know whatever I had a great time people were awesome to me I it was the best three and a half years of my life well and you do I mean to this day you do pretty frequent callbacks to your time in Hawaii on your you know your social media accounts Twitter uh, Instagram um I think you just did like a like a you trying to, to blow the conch shell on a boat yeah. or something on <laughs> yeah your, in your Instagram story I laughed uh, <laughs> thanks i'm glad somebody laughed i was like people the thing is with social media now and it's so nice but it's also like i hope i'm not being annoying is that they remind you they'll be like on this day three years ago you were doing this and i always look at it and because anytime you spend in hawaii i think you you look back on with like you know rose colored glasses thinking about golden hour having a great time and that really was my life out there it was it was just the most fun ever um, but I sit there, I'm like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm so annoying because I have not lived there in, in two and a half years. And I still post about it like at least once a week. So, mm -hmm. but whatever, they're just jealous because they didn't get to live there too. <laughs> no, but it's not, it's not all, you know, it's not all like just, you know, casual things like that. I mean, your, your pin tweet on Twitter is still like about uh, the former UH football player, Kalepo Nautala, who had that unfortunate diving yeah. accident and got like mostly yeah. paralyzed. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's I I see the callbacks. I respect it. You know, I appreciate. Thank it. you, thank you. I I'm glad to hear that because I'm always like people are going to be so annoyed by me. If they are, I'm not one of them. So okay, uh, thank you. That makes you feel better. There you go. All right. So I I told you I, I would definitely ask you about uh, your pronunciation uh, woes, if you will, uh, when you came mm -hmm. out here. Uh, I think mm -hmm. at one point you released like a like a a compilation of of pronunciation fails or something like that. If, if memory serves of, of all the Polynesian names you, you had to try to tackle. Um, does any one in particular Taryn Hatcher stand out as particularly difficult or uh, tongue twisting? 
Oh my gosh. Well, my first night doing high school football out there was a disaster that I think some people remember. And I hope most people forgot, but I'm not too like <laughs> scarred to talk about it. The prompter crashed and I had, so Mileka Lincoln, who I adore and is one of, you know, the most well-versed people on like Hawaiian culture and current Hawaiian issues and everything. Um, that I knew when I worked at Hawaii News Now had always said to me, don't just memorize names, learn pronunciations. And she'd work on the vowel sounds and the combination of vowel sounds. And when the Okina falls here, you say it this way and everything. And so I had learned the names, but I, like I hadn't committed them to memory as if I was like an actor learning lines, essentially. And I'm sitting there trying to source highlights from, you know, sh stringer video that's being sent over from Maui and from Big Island and had gone out and shot some stuff myself. I come in, I ingest it. I'm like, you know, working like a mad woman to put all this stuff in and put these scores in. And then the final sheet was a score sheet and it was all um, like neighbor island names. So it was <laughs> Lahaina Luna and um, Kalakehe and, you know, names that I wasn't super familiar with from Oahu, but I knew how to pronounce by reading them. And naturally the prompter crashes and there's no script in it. And I'm trying, I'm sitting at the desk trying to read off of this little graphic monitor that is tiny, that's about 10 feet away from me. And I'm just like, uh, uh, and I couldn't, I was trying to read names and just butchered all of it. And I was mortified because I like it, it really, you know, it was never lost on me that if you don't respect people and show that you care enough to learn, um, you know, what you're talking about, why should they respect you and your job? And I had tried so, so hard and I still just absolutely bashed it. But then, you know, I, from that point on, I was like, I'm going to nail the crap out of this every time I'm on air, I'm on air from then on. And it became that I got better at saying Hawaiian names and places than like actually speaking English. So that blooper reel, all of the words I messed up were in English. Like I could, <laughs> I could, okay. I could say Makani Kema Kalevahea a hundred times in a row and not mess it up but I couldn't speak English. And, um, but yeah, it, it became something that I like really worked on and took pride in after a while to the point that I was watching, um, it must've been how, or no, I was watching on Netflix, this show called we are the champions and it's about odd sports. And one of them is yo-yoing and there's a kid from Maui and if they start the shot in Maui on Haleakala, and the, the guy who was narrating it goes up on the, the top and the highest peak of Haleakala. And I got so irrationally mad. I was like, how can you be hired to do this job? <laughs> you don't know how to say the word. I was so irritated. But um, yeah, it was certainly a learning curve and it, and it took a while. But, um, you know, I really tried. And anybody who listens to this just know I would sit there and poor Mulek Lincoln would be doing all kinds of breaking news. And I'd be like, so N-A-I is pronounced nigh and not like, you know, N-A. And she's like, no, it's nigh. Like, why an I? And I, and I was like, okay. And I was like, should I say W's as V's? And she was like, no, you're white. Don't do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's a nice little thing to have in your, in your arsenal because once I came out here too, there were quite a few Polynesian players that they would talk about on Quick Slants, um, our Eagles show that airs once a week, every week now. And they, they would come up to me and they'd be like, how do I say this guy's name? And 
can, can you say Tunko Vailoa for me again? And, you know, it, it's come in handy. So, and I just, you know, I think it, it teaches you that you, you really, the, the devil is in the details of a lot of things, especially now with hockey. Um, most guys have like six consonants in their names and no vowels, which is the opposite of, you know, most Polynesian languages. And mm -hmm. you got to learn to adjust. You got to be flexible. So it was good. It all worked out. Well said. Turn that welcome to Hawaii moment into a uh, defining inflection point. Sounds like for your building your career blocks there. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All that said, Taryn, what was the one name you felt like you had to practice the most that gave you the most trouble? Uh, I think I just said it was Makani Kemakalevahea was <laughs> a mouthful. And it got to the point where because so it seemed like people had either moved past that incident with the football, with high school football, or had not seen it. And I got to the point where I was like, if their name is Hawaiian, I don't care if they get one tackle for a loss. I'm putting them in the highlight because I want people to know that I'm trying so hard to do a good job for them. So if Makani Kemakalevahea had a... <laughs> Like any stat in any night, I included him in a highlight, A, because he was a really good kid with a really great story. And I just think like he should have all the credit in the world. Um, if you don't know his story, you should really go Google it. Um, and B, I, when I left, it was nice because a bunch of people had like messaged me and DM me and said, I, I didn't know you weren't from here. I assumed that you were local. And I was like, oh my gosh, that means so much to me. But yeah, Makani's name was was hard. I'm trying to think who else. Palaye na Ote Ote, his his name was a mouthful too. He he was in the Polynesian Bowl, mm. and I had to cover him um, quite a bit. He was Ma'a Tanuvasa's nephew, and I, I just remember I I said it in my head about 800 times before I ever said it on air because I was like Palaye na Ote Ote. Um, especially because Ma'a is such a good guy and it was his nephew. I was like, I really don't want to mess this up. So, um, yeah, that, that, but Makani, Makani's name was definitely, um, probably the, the hardest one that I just practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. So you must really like roll your eyes when any national broadcaster, and I, I suppose it happened more in his early days in college, just couldn't say Tua Tongo Iloa. Yeah, because I was like, his name's not that hard. It's like, or they'd say like Tongo, um, like Tongo, Tongo, like they would mess up the weird parts of the name. I can't even say it because once you learn to say it right, it's kind of hard to undo it, but yeah, I remember saying being like, first of all, and, and Talia's name. So I was watching a Maryland game the other day, and the one guy could not say Talia's name for his life. And I was like, it's not, they're not unfamiliar sounds. Like, I get that, um, like, the the tongo part throws people off because there's that soft N before G's when you're talking about Samoan names. But Talia it's kind of said how it's spelled. So I didn't really get it, but yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely funny to me now, but at the same time now, nowadays I'll sit there with a guy who's from like Czech Republic and he'll say his name eight times and I'll say it back to him and he'll be like, no, you're still not saying it right. So <laughs> I guess, you know, it, it's all relative. Look how far you've come though. Um, you know, 
I've come all the way to Wilmington, Delaware, Brian. That's how far I've come. <laughs> and we, we appreciate you sticking, sticking with us on the pod through uh, thick and thin and less than ideal bandwidth connections. Yeah. Apologies, guys. I, I have to drive across state lines in order to go to the gym right now, which means that I'm hitting, I'm hitting all kinds of uh, service errors and issues on the way from Philadelphia to Delaware just to go to a Pilates class. So, you know, it's well, wild, but <laughs> so fun to catch up with you, Brian. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, Taryn. Uh, it is, it is about time. I should, I should let you go, cut you loose, but uh, it, it was a revelation in some ways hearing about what life has been like for you since the time that you left here. Um, I, I can't really imagine somebody, at least in the last handful of years in the media realm here, who's gone through such like a drastic one transformation to another transformation uh, that you have. So that's a credit to you, uh, as I said before. And um, I'll close by asking you, what is immediately next in your future uh, as you kind of prepare for uh, this next season with the Flyers? I was going to say, hockey. Hopefully a training camp real soon. And then hockey. Um, it's... It seems like January 13th we'll be we'll be back to covering some games so hopefully that'll go off without a hitch and then um other than that I've I've got a big old birthday coming up to remind me how old I'm getting and and that's pretty much all we got it's basically just stalling until the puck drops for me that's that's basically what we got and and now we got Jalen Hurts starting for the Eagles on Sunday so that is my whole my whole life in a nutshell right now. What a Just life. those things. What, what, a what a time to be alive. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. So thanks again, Taryn. Take care and best of luck to you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.